I'm reading now from Daniel 2, 31 to 45, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. You, O king, were watching, and behold a great image. This great image, whose splendour was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly clay. You watched while a stone was cut without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell you the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hand, and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall rise another kingdom, inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw, saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. When Daniel walked into Babylon he encountered more than a lion's den. In King Nebuchadnezzar's court a motley crew of magicians, astrologers and sorcerers hovered around to interpret dreams, calling on their spirit guides and charting the signs in the stars. He was in the seat of the occult. When he was transported into exile in Babylon, it was the third major empire to have come against the Jews. 
to put this in context you need to listen to the five cycles of discipline in the first revelation series the first empire was Egypt the second empire was Assyria and Daniel found himself taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonian Empire. Sometime after his arrival the king has this dream of a great image. And in Daniel 2 31-35 we find the head was gold, the chest and the arms silver, the belly and thighs bronze, the legs of iron and the feet partly clay and partly iron. Verse 34 and 35 speaks of a stone cut without hands which finally demolishes the image. God was giving Nebuchadnezzar a prophetic dream which took him from the day in which he lived right through to the kingdom age which Jesus will establish on his return at the second advent. The prophet Daniel in exile interprets this dream for the king in Daniel 2, 38b-45. The explanation of what the king saw given by Daniel was this. The head of gold is Babylon, the king himself. The chest and arms of sea, silver, Medo-Persia. Babylon was overrun by them while da Daniel was there. The belly and thighs of bronze is Greece, the legs of iron and feet partly of clay and partly of iron, Rome, and this empire goes through several stages. The united stage, verse 40, the divided stage, verse 41, and the ten division stage, the toes. The stone cut without hands is Jesus and the messianic kingdom. Notice the stone did not strike the head which represented the king nor did it strike the body of silver rather it struck the feet of iron and clay which represents the last human empire before the coming of the king of kings and the lord of lords. Two things to note the metals though they increase in strength decrease in value the fulfilment will be in the decrease of the character and authority uh, the character of authority and rule babylon was an absolute monarchy with the monarch above the law with the next empire the medo persians the monarch was not above the law and he didn't have authority to change his own decrees in daniel 6 Darius' decree, which resulted in Daniel being thrown into the lion's den, Darius couldn't change this and he spent the night, you'll remember, fasting and mourning because he thought Daniel had been eaten by the lions. The next one, the Greek or Hellenistic, Hellenistic kings, had no dynasty or royal right to rule. They ruled by invasion and occupation followed by Roman imperialism and this was a republic which de degenerated into mob rule merging with the imperial form of government. So we see an increase in strength of one empire over another 
but a decrease in character. And finally, this image is destroyed by the stone cut without hands. Jesus and his kingdom will fill the earth at the end. The dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof, sure. Now we come to Daniel's dreams and visions. Now Daniel himself starts to have dreams and revelations, each one building on the last. His first dream builds on Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Daniel too has a dream in which he sees history unfolded to the end. Let's lay the descriptions down alongside the description of the beast in Revelation 13, 1 and 2 and see the similarities before we go into detail with Daniel's dream. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, Gentile nations, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns ten diadems, and upon his heads names of blasphemy, and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. There have been seven empires that have afflicted the Jewish people. Started with Egypt, then Assyria, as we saw in uh, Isaiah 10, Babylon, where Daniel was carted off to, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and finally, the Tribulational Empire. This one is the fullness of all the other ones which went before. Now we're ready to look at Daniel 7, verses 1 to 28. In the first year of King Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, and it had an eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom the first, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth 
speaking pompous words. I watched, verse 9, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was pure like wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. And Daniel's visions interpreted. Verse 15 I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom for ever and ever. Then I wished to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured, broke in pieces, and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favour of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, and times, and half a time. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. 
then the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Here we have a sweep of history from Daniel's time right through to the second advent of Jesus Christ, the most amazing account. A key verse is verse 25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. This again relates entirely to the Jews and their religious observance. We will look into this later. So Revelation 13 describes a beast out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns like a leopard, a bear and a lion. And in Daniel 7, 1 to 28, we see described a leopard, a bear and a lion. Now if you will make four headings on your notes, uh, it'll make it easier for what I'm about to say. The first heading will be animal. The second one, the number of heads. The third one, horns. And the fourth one, representing. Now I'm going to read across, so you'll be able to fill it in as you read across your headings of animal, number of heads, horns, representing. And you'll see where we're going. First animal is a lion. Number of heads, one. Horns, none. Representing Babylon. Second animal, bear. Number of heads, one. Number of horns, none. Representing Medo-Persia. Third animal, leopard. Number of heads, four. Number of horns, none. Representing Greece. The fourth, beast. Number of heads, one. Number of horns, ten. Representing Rome. So you should have a total of seven heads and ten horns. Daniel's dreams and visions are in the time of Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son. So some time has elapsed. Each beast in Daniel 7 represents an empire that would rise in turn, as shown to Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2. The first thing he sees are the four winds of heaven striving on the great sea, which is the Mediterranean representing the Gentile world. This sea is troubled by four winds. This number is the same as the Gentile empires. Suddenly four beasts arise from the sea, each different from the other, and here comes more information. 
The first beast is like a winged lion. Babylon. A winged lion was a symbol on the Ashtar gate or Ishtar gate into Babylon. The second is bear-like, Medo-Persia. This is portrayed as lopsided because Persia was stronger than Media. The ribs in its mouth represent the kingdoms the bear had already conquered, Lydia, Babylonia and Egypt. The bear is not majestic like the lion and it's unwieldy and cumbersome. Medo-Persia conquered by sheer weight of numbers. The third beast is leopard-like, representing Greece. The leopard is slender and swift, less imposing than the bear or the lion. But with leopard-like speed, Alexander the Great conquered the Medo-Persian Empire and greatly extended the Greek Empire. Dying prematurely at 30, however, his kingdom was split into four, giving rise to the four heads which represent the four generals who took control of the four kingdoms. Ptolemy over Egypt and Israel, Seleucus over Syria, Babylonia and as far east as India, Cassander over Macedonia and Greece, and Lysimachus over Thrace and Bithynia. Daniel's second vision in verses 7 and 8 reveals a nondescript beast. While the others are given animal-like descriptions none is given for this one. This fourth beast, which is the one we want, is described as being diverse or completely different from all the others. It utterly subdues and breaks in pieces all that goes before it. It appears almost inhuman and is far more fierce and violent than the previous three. This fourth beast has ten horns, out of which arises an eleventh, which uproots three of the ten others. It speaks pompous words, and now, having uprooted three of the ten, it becomes the eighth horn rather than the eleventh. Daniel's visions move on until he's in heaven. Daniel 7 9 and 10 and judgment is coming on this fourth kingdom verses 13 and 14 describe what's going to happen at the end of time following the destruction of this beast and the setting up of the messianic kingdom these four kingdoms are essentially the same as in Nebuchadnezzar's dream but more information is given in verses 15 to 27 the major emphasis being on this fourth kingdom. Daniel asks for more about the fourth beast and in verse 19 its diverseness is pointed out. This is continually emphasised. He further wishes to know the meaning of the ten horns and the little horn which causes three of the ten to fall and speaks great things, wars against the saints and is allowed to prevail. As in Daniel 2, the fourth empire goes through several stages, though not always the same stages as chapter 2. Verse 23 shows the united stage. This is followed by the second stage, that of a one world government, 
for in the second part of verse 23 it says that the fourth empire will devour the whole earth and this will be followed by the ten kingdom stage verse 24 which will in turn be followed by the little horn or the antichrist stage these verses show how he arises after the ten division stage while the fourth empire is diverse from the previous three the little horn is also different from the other ten verse 24 he eventually subdues three of these kings verses 24 and 25 and again speaking great things he will be allowed to rule for only a time one year times two years and half a time half a year or three and a half years from this we see that the Antichrist comes to absolute power in the middle period of the tribulation exactly three and a half years in with his destruction the messianic or millennial kingdom comes in if you're not reeling too much this might be a good place to talk about the various stages that this fourth kingdom goes through as it's the one which attracts the most attention from Daniel and is the one which most concerns us in the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ the first stage of this empire which is described as diverse totally different from all the others took place from 63 BC to 364 AD and this is referred to as the United Stage. The second stage took place when the Emperor Valentinian divided the Empire into East and West in AD 364. From that point on the Empire of Imperialism was divided into an East-West balance of power we're still living in that balance of power today the third stage will be the one world government stage and the fourth stage the ten kingdom stage which will set the scene for the rise of the antichrist from its midst which is the fifth stage to summarize and combine Daniel chapters 2 and 7 you'll again need two columns if you're taking notes. On one side you'll need Daniel 2, on the other Daniel 7. And again we're going to look at those four empires. So reading across Daniel 2 to Daniel 7, first column the Babylonian Empire, second column Babylonian Empire. second one the Medo-Persian Empire same under Daniel 7 third the Greek Empire same under Daniel 7 but that shows the united and the four division stage then under Daniel 2 the fourth empire but in Daniel 7 we get more information the fourth empire with the united stage the two division stage the one world government stage, the ten division stage and the antichrist stage. And the fifth kingdom is the messianic kingdom.
When the revived Roman Empire comes back, it follows the one world government stage which breaks down and is replaced by the Ten Kingdom rule, formed from an alliance of ten kingdoms with their leaders. As soon as the alliance is made, another leader comes on the scene and this person will take control of the confederation of ten nations. Daniel 7, 24 and 25 tells us that this person puts down three out of the ten and the remainder then submit to him. This is the Antichrist himself. So we are now in the Antichrist stage, the stage of absolute imperialism. Now we need to look at Daniel 8 verses 1 to 27. vision of a ram and a goat. Daniel 8 reading from verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar a vision appeared to me, to me Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. I saw in the vision and so it happened while I was looking that I was in Shushan, the citadel which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in the vision that I was by the river Ulai. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and there, standing beside the river, was a ram which had two horns. And the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward and southward, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. And as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west, across the surface of the whole earth, without touching the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Then he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river, and ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, and broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him, and there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong the large horn was broken, and in place of it four not notable ones came up towards the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, and towards the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, 
for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Then Gabriel interprets the vision, verse 15. Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning, that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ule, who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and stood me upright. And he said, Look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of indignation, for at the appointed time the end shall be. The ram which you saw, having two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia, and the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall rise out of that nation, but not with its power. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressions have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt, exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the Prince of Princes, but he shall be broken without human means. And the vision of the evenings and mornings which was told is true. Therefore seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. And I, Daniel, fainted, and was sick for days. Afterward I arose, and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Daniel has a vision of a ram, a goat, and a fight. From verse 20 onwards, the explanation is given of what these represent, and again we have even more detail on the end times, showing clearly that this person will deal harshly with the Jewish nation, breaking a treaty he's made with them, and stopping the sacrifice in the rebuilt temple. This vision gives even more detail for us as it gives the length of time in verse 13, how long. Let's just stop there now and go into Revelation 13, 1-10. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and ten he seven heads, and on his horns ten diadems, and on his heads names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his throne, and great authority. Who is like the beast, and who is able to war with him? Here we have a repetition of what was seen by Daniel, with more information about the character of this person, who has a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. 
Revelation 13 is focused on the fourth empire entirely in its fifth stage, the Antichrist stage. The beast that John saw is the same beast that Daniel saw in chapter 7 where it was nondescript. But here the beast is given a description. In the fifth stage, now the ten nation confederacy is being ruled entirely by the Antichrist, Antichrist, the ten toes of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and the other kings and rulers are subject to him. In verses 5 to 7, the activities of the Antichrist are described, and they're similar to those recorded in Daniel 7. He speaks great things. He reigns with absolute control for three and a half years. He blasphemes against all heaven. He wars against the saints and the nations. Though we tend to concentrate on the beast, let's remember that there is a counterfeit trinity. Satan counterfeits the father. The antichrist counterfeits the son. And the false prophet counterfeits the Holy Spirit. This person, indwelt during the second half of the tribulation period by the devil himself, will bring misery the like of which mankind has never yet experienced, nor ever will again. Back to Revelation 13, 15-18. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. That image of the beast should both speak and calls as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. The Mark of the Beast This scripture regarding the 666 markers caused more grief to Christians than I can number. It is amazing that of all the information and revelation contained in this book, the one thing Christians zoom in on is the mark and how frightened they are that they might have to take it. The fact is they will never be required to take the mark. They are sealed with God's seal for one thing and they won't be around when this takes place for another. This will only be for those people who are alive during the latter half of the tribulation when the Antichrist comes into absolute power and sets himself up as a god. Satan has done a very good job of keeping us out of the book of Revelation because of the fear he's managed to engender in so many souls. Many Christians steer very clear of the book and even say they are frightened of what it contains. What a complete reversal of what the Lord Jesus says at the beginning. Blessed are those who read and put into practice the words of this book. To counterfeit the seal of God on the foreheads, on the foreheads of the saints, uh, the seal of the Holy Spirit is found in Ephesians 1.13. So here you see what seal you have. 
In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The false prophet, the third member of the counterfeit trinity, will introduce his own counterfeit mark or seal. And this counterfeit seal is the most famous mark of the beast. This will be taken by all those who will subject themselves to the authority of the Antichrist and accept him as their god. The mark will serve as a passport to trade. It will not be the currency of trade, simply an indication of whose side they're on. It has nothing at all to do with obtaining credit. If it was, everyone would have to have a different number. People will be able neither to buy nor sell anything in that time unless they have the mark. And it has nothing to do with an identity number either, because again, if that were the case, all the numbers would be different. But in this case, everyone has the same number. The purpose of the mark will be to serve as a sign of identification of those who will own the Antichrist as their God. And only these who have the number will be allowed to work, to buy or to sell or simply make a living. The verse doesn't speak of credit cards, banking systems, cashless societies, a one-world money system or such like has, as I believe, erroneously been understood. This is simply a mark showing where your allegiance is, with the Holy One or with the counterfeit. To break this down a little and finish for today, the interpretation of the mark is given by five clues. The name of the beast the number of his name, the number of the beast, the number of a man, and the number is 666. And Revelation 13:18 says to us, Here is wisdom. He that has understanding, let him count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Keeping in mind always that the Bible is a Hebrew book, the point essentially is this. Whatever the name of the Antichrist, it will be in Hebrew, the numerical value of that name will be 666. Each letter of the Hebrew alphabet has a number, so everyone's name has a numerical value as far as they're concerned. Roger Price does a tape on the value of the words written over Jesus uh, as he was crucified. Jesus Christ, King of the Jews, is a very interesting study and I believe if I'm right it adds up to 13 times 13 times 13 which is the number signifying the totality of sin which was laid on him. And John 19, 19 to 22, Jesus' name adds up to 888, the number of resurrection. However, back to 666, whatever the personal name of the Antichrist, if his name is spelled out in Hebrew characters, the numerical value will be 666. So this is the number that will be put on the worshippers of the Antichrist. It's like a potter's seal, signifying ownership. 
that's you why you were sealed with the Holy Spirit seal it's a mark of ownership you are not your own you're bought with a price you belong to him as the scripture says those who are wise will work this out so everyone who takes this mark will have sealed his or her eternal destiny by making this choice they are choosing for themselves to spend eternity in the lake of fire which was not prepared for mankind but for the devil and his angels anyone who ends up there goes there by their own free will choice God will never send them there unless they have chosen not to believe in God's only Son the Lord Jesus Christ the more I study this the more I see that God has not only allowed but has orchestrated all this to bring to an end once and for all man's rebellion and self-exaltation the pride of man which set itself up against God at the Tower of Babel finally brought to its conclusion though hard to see it is God's wonderful grace again before his judgment which will plunge all believers into the lake of fire for eternity and the first occupants of that lake will be the beast and the false prophet they will be there for a thousand years before anyone else joins them that's been a marathon I hope you're not too muddled tomorrow we'll, we'll endeavour to get to the end of the book and we may need to put on some speed to get there God bless you <laughs>